How's everybody doing today? Good. All right. Um, so if you guys know, we have uh, our the 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 vision statement of our church. Who knows the vision statement of our church? That's not a church plant member. Anybody? All right. I'm gonna teach it to you today. Okay. It's right up there. Okay. Raising up an army of mighty warriors. Everybody say, raising up an army of mighty warriors. Right, it's to raise up an army of mighty warriors to go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. It's from Isaiah 61, and that is the vision statement. That's what we're here to do. And uh, at New Philadelphia Church, uh, a while back, we came up with nine core values. So these are values that we feel are intrinsically part of our vision statement. It's what really makes us us. And kind of uh, maybe different from other churches, but we really feel that these values are the values that that um, that we we we're going to use to fulfill the vision statement of our church. And these values are nine of them: there's extrav- be extravagant in worship, freedom is for everyone, father the fatherless, be faithful in the small things, the anointing comes from the top, flows from the top down. Uh, Oh, the uh, punches. Um, roll with the punches, which means roll with the punches. Uh, supernatural is natural. Kingdom, uh, contend for the kingdom and dream big. So these are the nine core values of our church. We really, uh, we really, as a church, try to live by these values. And in everything that we do, we, we say, like, is it fulfilling you know, one of these things? And when we worship, are we worshiping extravagantly? Um, are, we, are we faithful with the small things? You know, if you're entrusted to mop this bar, are you going to do it? You know, these are the things that we really feel um, make up the DNA of our church. And today I'm going to be preaching from the third uh, core value. It's called Father the Fatherless. Father the Fatherless. And, it come, and my sermon comes from Psalms chapter 68, verses 5 through 6. If you have your Bible, please open your Bible to Psalms 68, verses 5 through 6. I'm just going to read it to you in the ESV. Our church follows the ESV, the English Standard Version. But if you have another version, you know, go ahead. You, you guys can read that. I'm going to read it to you. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. You know, and uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty old. I'm not the oldest one in here. Uh, and uh, Anthony's dad's here. He's a little bit older than me. I'm probably the second oldest man in here. But um, yeah, I'm you know like I'm pretty old, and I grew up in the '80s. And so you know, in the '80s, we had sitcoms. You know, like you know, you guys have sitcoms now, but they're very different back in the '80s. Sitcoms in the '80s were just had perfect families with you know just perfect perfect parents and like really good kids and the problems really didn't get too crazy you know um but you know like i remember when i would watch these 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 tv shows they had such great dads great tv dads very famous and iconical tv dads you know like heathcliff huxtable from the cosby show i don't know if you guys know or jason siever from y'all too young growing pains okay and uh, edwin edward stratton the third of silver spoons i don't know if you guys know this Stephen Keaton of Family Ties, and good old Mr. Drummond from, who knows what shows that's from? Different Strokes. 
Man, y'all are so young. That just flew right over your head. Like, yeah, who is he talking about? But if, you, if you're, you know, old enough to understand, these were just the famous TV dads from the 80s. You know, when we watched TV, we saw them. We kind of, like, it was almost like they were our dads. And we wanted our, our like, dads just like them. You know, and, and though these fathers had their shortcomings and they were, and they had uh, things that they may have been lacking, they were always there on TV to really care for and to love on and protect and just kind of really bless their, their TV families. And it was all wrapped up in 30 minutes, you know what I mean? It was really fun. And growing up, I thought that that's how most families were. I really thought that a lot of you know, families had great dads, great moms, and kids would get into a little bit of mess, but everything would be taken care of. Um, but we realized that that's not the case. The sad fact is we live in one of the most fatherless generations in history. You know, statistics say that 27 million kids are growing up without a father in America. That's triple the amount from the 1960s. And I went online and I found a site called fathers.com, which is a website from the National Organization of Fatherhood. And uh, I read some crazy statistics. Uh, it had a section called Consequence- Consequences of Fatherlessness. And it talked about uh, a lot of issues that stem from children not having a father. And it pointed out six areas. And it talked about uh, poverty. You know, they're more inclined to, to be in poverty, drugs and alcohol, physical and emotional health problems, lower educational achievements, crime, and sexual activity, and teenage pregnancy. This website pointed out statistics and graphs about how kids without a father or without, or without both mother and a father were way more likely to have one of these six problems or you know, a majority of these six problems in their lives. In a book called Father Fiction, Chapters for a Fatherless Generation by Donald Miller. Donald, who's read uh, Blue Like Jazz? Yeah, it's a good book. Um, he's author of Blue Like Jazz. He wrote a book called Father Fiction. And it, he, t- he tells a story of him growing up without a father. And in it, it says, he says that 94% of all people in prison are men. And 85% of them are from fatherless homes. Now, and I don't know how accurate this guy is with his statistics, but, you know, I've been to prison. And from what I saw in prison, you know, I don't doubt the statistic. And when you, when you get to hear stories of young men you know, going in and out of prison, and their stories are all very similar. Many of them did not have a father when they were growing up. Either that or they had abusive fathers. I would hear stories about, you know, they, were, they would be like, like try to brag about who got beat the most. You know, like, I got beat more than you, you know. They had abusive fathers. Or, or they were just never around, or they didn't even know their fathers. And when you look deeper into their lives, you realize that this, this, they're perpetuating the same fatherlessness that they had through their lives. Most of these kids, they're kids, because they're like 18, 19, 20 years old, had kids of their own. You know? And they weren't around. They all had baby mamas, they all had babies, but they weren't, out, they weren't around for them. I met a guy, I forget what his name was, but uh, he was like, I think he was 21 years old, and he had five kids. He had his first baby when he was 15 years old. And so his like oldest child was like six years old at the time. And he was 21 years old, and it was like with three different women. And he wasn't around to be with any of those kids. He's, he's perpetuating the fatherlessness that he had in his life. 
And this is how the fatherless epidemic manifests itself in minorities of gang and drug-infested streets. Young men without fathers have no idea about masculinity, about what it is to be a man. And they get into crime, they get into drugs, and they end up in prison. And they're perpetuating the fatherlessness uh, epidemic. And it isn't just a problem of minorities or, or of low, lower income families. In affluent families, these problems exist, but they manifest itself in a different way. You know, but it's just as devastating. They get into alcohol, drugs, sexual immorality. They smother the void of their fatherless, their father's absence by getting into this depression or looking towards suicide. They resort to beating their girlfriends. They resort to beating their wives because they have all this anger inside them. They don't know where it's coming from. The lack of a father's presence, not only with his love and affection, but with his discipline, rebuke, and correction, will stunt a child's development. And they get stuck in, like, arrested development. It's not just a show on Fox. No, I saw a lot of this in prison. I saw grown men, like 25, 30 years old, and when you talk to them, you realize that they have a mentality of a 16-year-old. They have a mentality of a 12-year-old. They never had the opportunity to mature. They never had the opportunity to grow up because they didn't know what it was to grow up. They didn't know what it was to become a man. Many young boys, when a father is not around, they don't know what the responsibilities of being a, a man is, and they get their manliness from what they see on TV. And for some of them, they think having sex with the most amount of women Makes them a man. And when you go to the, the bars and the clubs out in the streets, that's the mentality of most men. They want to conquer women. They think that's going to make them a man. In Fathers.com, the National Organization of Fathering, fathering it talk, it talk, they did a study with 1,600 young men and women, and they found that older boys and girls from female-headed households or female-only-headed households are more likely, likely to commit criminal acts than their peers who lived with two parents. And they talked about, you know, um, it went from 1.7% like percent, 1.7 times more for people uh, that were born out of wedlock. So they have a mother and a father, but they're, they're born out of wedlock. And then it's 10 times more likely to become a chronic juvenile offender if, they, if they're born to an unmarried teenage mother. Speaking of unmarried teenage mothers, men aren't the only ones that suffer from fatherlessness. I'd say young girls suffer just as much, if not even more. Donald Miller goes on to say in his book, and I quote, I believe that something magical happens when a father tells his daughter she is beautiful, that she is a woman, that she has a reason to be respected and loved by a good man. If a woman does not get this message from her father, she will look for it from men with less pure motives. In Fathers.com, they they noted a, they, they did a study called the contextual effects on the sexual behavior of adolescent women. And it says adolescent females between the age of 15 and 19 years in homes, uh, growing up in homes without fathers are significantly more likely to engage in premarital sex than adolescent females reared in homes with a mother and a father. And in another study by the D Department, of Human, Department of Health and Human Service, those same girls from single-parent families are more likely to get pregnant as teenagers than their peers growing up with two parents. These girls that are so desperate for a father's love and attention and affection are going out and they're trying to fulfill these needs from men that, aren't, that, that are around them that have less than pure motives. 
Any of you guys watch uh, How I Met Your Mother? Anyone watch that show? Nobody watch that show? Nobody watch American TV? Am I the only one? Well, in it, in it, there's this character named Barney, Barney Stinson. And he's like this womanizing and yet lovable guy that goes out and kind of like, you know, he's, he's like this kind of sleazy guy, but they kind of paint him in this like really lovable picture. But he goes out and he just like try to hit on every woman that he can find, you know, and he has all these like different like, like manipulative things to, to, you know, to get women into bed. And in his show, in this show, there's this ongoing joke about him. He's played, he's played by Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Howser from back in the days. But, uh, he, he goes on and there's this ongoing show that he looks for girls with daddy issues. You know, because in it, he talks about how there's more vulnerable and more likely to be able to just, just trick into bed. And when you see things like this on TV, it's sad because it's true. It's so true that it's become a part of pop culture. It's actually turned into a reoccurring theme in many shows and movies. And it's a sad, sad fact and sad statistic. In, a, in an article called Fatherlessness, the story behind sex trafficking, um, is a, it's like a blog site by John Sower. He writes, The executive director of a popular nonprofit told me that without fail, nearly every girl that she had worked with to rehabilitate out of the sex trade has been fatherless. She said this is obvious and direct she said, there is an obvious and direct correlation between the girls that are being trafficked and fatherlessness. These fatherless girls are often easy prey for the recruiters and groomers. The recruiters said, I recruited girls at the bus stops and the malls. It was easy, easy to spot them. You could easily tell which ones were insecure and vulnerable. And I had a 100% success rate with them. You can see just how devastating fatherlessness can be for a girl. How important validation, love, affection from a father figure, just how important it is in the development of a child's uh, maturity and a child's life. And before I go on, I just want to say that not everybody that grew up fatherless gets messed up like this. And I, was, and I also want to say that not everybody with two loving you know, parents in their homes grew up to be perfect, you know, righteous, respectable kids. I am a perfect sign of one of them. I have a mother. I have a father. My mom loves me. My dad, you know, loves me. He had his problems, but he was still there to love me. I grew up, I got all jacked up, you know. So, you know, I'm not saying that, 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 you know, it's all, this is always the case. But if you look at the statistics and if you look at the stories, this correlation, you can't ignore it. This correlation is very real. And there are many reasons why we get, there's fatherless kids out there. You know, some, their fathers pass away. Now, I have a friend recently, and I went to college with him. His name was Petey, and, and he was this lovable guy. He was a pastor up in California, and he's my age. He's actually a year younger than me, and he was out there playing basketball last week, and he just had a heart attack and died. And he left four kids behind and a wife. And when you look at that, you know, it's really sad. And that's, for some people, that's how you know, they, they become fatherless. For others, you know, the, the father, they heard about the baby. They didn't want anything to do with it, and so they just psh, took off. Either that or, you know, you know they, they left. When, when, the, when the child was about one or two years old, you know, it's like, oh, daddy, daddy. And then it's like all of a sudden, gone. Don't want to have anything to do with the kid. Don't want to have anything to do with the wife. Some are abandoned and left for orphanages and adoption. You know, like Korea, the, the orphan problem. 
it's kind of unique because all of the or like you don't really want to call them orphans because these kids have parents. Now my my cousin, when he when I first moved to Korea, he was living at an orphanage uh, in Seoul, and I, I lived right by there, and so I would go visit him a lot. And when you talk to these kids, when you ask them, they all have kids, they all have parents. And when you ask them, oh, you know, like what happened to your parents? They're like, oh, my parents live in this city, and it's because either they can't afford it. Or the child has become a nuisance, so they just want to put them. Uh uh. Thank you. They just want to. They don't want the the obligation of raising that kid. You know what happens a lot in Korea is that you know a woman will get divorced. And then the, fa- the, the father would just leave. And, and in order for that woman to get remarried, she needs to kind of put her child in an orphanage because her new husband doesn't want anything to do with them. So if you look at situation in Seoul, orphanages, they don't call them orphanages because it's a bad, the or- they don't like the orphan names, so they call them boyugons, which is children's homes. And if you look at the lives of a lot of these kids, you know, they all have parents. Uh, they all have parents. But they just, they're just not around. And even if they can support them, get to a place in the position in their lives where they can support these children, they choose not to because they don't want to sacrifice the, their livelihood. They don't want to sacrifice, financially sacrifice for these kids. You know, and, but however, the majority of the fatherlessness in the world today is due to divorce. The enemy has been using divorce for ages to tear apart families and bring fatherlessness into, into this world. You know, God created the family to be interdependent and intimate with each other. Children are meant to be cared for, to be loved, to be protected, and disciplined in a family. It's a place where a child can feel safe. And, it's, and they can exercise their gifts without fear of failure. They're, they're taught responsibilities and common courtesies and manners. Like how to say thank you and please. And how to ask before taking food off of somebody else's plate. Why are you guys laughing? They say I do that a lot. I don't know. By design, God placed the mother and a father to bring leadership and responsibility to the family. And it says in Ephesians 5:23, and God, he set husbands as the head of the of the wife and the children. And it's by design God did this. It's part of God's divine plan for the father to be the head of the family. And so the man has the greatest authority and the greatest responsibility in the family. It's not the wife. It's not the kids. Man, when you get married, you are to lead your wife. Trevor, when you get married, you are to lead your your wife and your family. Matt Anderson, when you get married, you are to lead your wife. God, you're supposed to exercise the proper authority that God entrusted to each and every one of you. The husband has the greatest responsibility to not only love and care for and discipline the family, but he's also given the responsibility to bless the family. If you look in the Bible, you see Isaac blessing Jacob, and and you realize how powerful that fatherly, the patriarchal blessing actually is. You know, we have uh, some really righteous brothers at our church uh, John Michael and, and John Newfeld, they're both Johns. And if you look at their families, they have such generational blessings on them. Like, like you know, John comes from, John, 
John Newfeld, comes from a line of Mennonites, just, just righteous, righteous men. And you look at his father, he came down for his wedding, and he just realizes the, the amazing amount of blessing that comes, that flows from the father from, for generations at a time. Same with John Michael. John Michael has amazing blessings on him. Amazing, amazing blessings that flow just from his father blessing it down onto him. And even if you look at my life, you know, I had crazy things happen to me in my past. But if you look at my grandfather, my grandfather was a righteous, righteous Christian, both sides. And they prayed for me. My grandfather prayed for me. And he prayed, he's going to be a pastor. And even when I thought I wasn't going to be a pastor, you know, he knew I was going to be a pastor. And now I'm a pastor. And I, I, I know that a lot of it has to do with the generational blessing that's been passed down by my grandfather and his, and his father before that. Fathers have the greatest authority and responsibility. However, in the fall of man, fathers now have the, have the ability to abuse or to abandon their authority. When a, child, when a father molests a child, verbally abuse them, or even beat their kids... You know, there's discipline and there's beatings. That's when a father abuses his authority. And if a, if a father just takes off and leaves, that's, that's him abandoning his authority. And even many fathers today, even in the church, they underestimate the weight and the power and the authority that they have over their families and their kids. Yeah, they have the, the power to bless, but they also have the power to wound and scar and even destroy their families. They have this power is because this is how God designed it. You know, God designed fathers to have authority and power over their kids. It's just by His designs. If you look at pimps, I know some of you guys saw Nefarious yesterday, but if you look at pimps, for those of you guys, for those of you guys don't know what pimps are, they're the ones that kind of are, are over the prostitutes in the you know like in the sex trade industry. When you look at pimps in America, they make, they make their prostitutes call them daddy. You know, like if you look at, oh, daddy this, daddy that. The reason why they do, they do this is because they, even pimps, they realize how powerful the patriarchal influence and the authority is over somebody. And so by making them in a counterfeit, in a twisted way, by making these women call them daddy, they're actually enforcing the, the father's authority that God actually designed. They, Satan twisted it. And is making them to have control over these women. Man, you are meant to have authority over your family. And, you, and men need to rise up and take their place as fathers. A father's role is key in a child's development and their self-esteem. You know, they, they can bless, they can bring joy, they, they help them in their maturity. And that's why an absent or abusive father has such a damaging effect on a child growing up. And Satan knows this fact all too well. You know, from the beginning, he's been targeting fathers and attacking the family structure. He knows that by, by removing the fathers from a child's life, the child will be robbed of the joys of being raised by a, by a loving father, but he will be able to stunt the child's development and open up the child to vulnerabilities and false identities and in wickedness. He's been doing this since the Garden, Garden of Eden. He's been attacking the family. And that's why Satan loves adultery. Now, Satan loves adultery. Because adultery is not just an attack on the man, but by attacking the man through adultery, Satan can attack the wife, the child. He can take out the whole family. 
A simple seed of lust will grow, and one day he'll, the, the father will act upon it, and it will lead to adultery, which can bring divorce and destroy the family. It says in the word that Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and if you look at his tactics, his, his, his point of the, the, the reason why there's so much lust in this world is to attack the family. To attack. You, might think it's, you might think lust is just your issue. It's just something that you're dealing with. But you know what? Lust that you're carrying on right now as a single man, that's going to carry over into your family. And it's going to ultimately affect your family. That's the seed of lust that Satan is trying to, to plant inside you men right now when you guys are single. You guys think, oh, it's just me doing my thing. But it's not. It has consequences in the future. Unless you take care of it now. Unless you break out of it now. If you look at Korea, adultery is rampant. And the wives either turn a blind eye in a loveless marriage or it leads to divorce, leaving the children damaged and fatherless. And if you grew up in a loving, if you grew up without a loving father, if you grew up without, either with a, without a loving father or with an abusive father, I want you guys to know that, you know, there's healing and, 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 and healing and wholeness for you. You, know, you don't have to continue to live like that. But you have to start from one place. You have to go back and start with the, with one thing. And it's the fact that you needed a father. If you grew up without a father, you have to start with the idea that something was taken from you when you were a child. Something that God intrinsically made you want and need. The reason why you needed, you wanted a father when you were growing up if you didn't have one or you had an abusive father is because God designed you to want to have a father. You have to say something was taken from me. Something was stolen from me. I needed a father and I didn't have one. And you have to admit that that absence hurt you. You know, it, it doesn't matter if he was physically present. If he wasn't emotionally and relationally present, his absence hurt you. And it doesn't matter if you made it without a father. It doesn't mean you didn't need him to begin with. You're like, I don't need a father. I'm fine without one. You might be. But inside, you have to understand that the lack of a father in your life that actually hurt you. No, we have to give grace to our fathers. But before even offering grace, you have to understand and you have to confront the fact that your father acted wickedly, that your father wasn't around, that he cheated on your mom, that he abandoned you, that he abused you. You have to confront these issues. And only when you face up to the damage can you take the next step to forgive him for what he did. You can't forgive someone of something when you aren't willing to bring those thing, issues to the surface. When it's been suppressed for years under denial, you have to face the hurt. Then you can forgive. You know, and, and you may have already forgiven your fathers. You know, a lot of us, we had, we've had bad fathers and we may have forgiven our fathers, but the deeper the revelation goes regarding the damage that was done to you, the deeper for the forgiveness needs to go. Some of you may find yourselves all forgiving your fathers all over again. And that's a normal thing. Sometimes in God's grace, He doesn't reveal to you the fullness of that damage because you can't handle it at the time. And He reveals a little bit at a time. 
and you bring it to the surface, you deal with it, and you forgive them. And then, like five years down the road, you realize some, some other damages that you find in your life, and you're going to have to forgive them all over again. And that's a normal thing. You know, I thought I, like, I thought I was done. I thought I forgave my dad like five years ago. You know, and then all of a sudden these issues, these other issues come up and you got to forgive them all over again. And that's, that's normal. Many people want to skip this process because it's going to hurt too much. There's too much pain involved. But you can't forgive someone for something that you haven't completely confronted. And if you don't forgive, you're living in sin. Many of you feel that you don't need to forgive your fathers. But for many of you, you feel this because you haven't confronted the damage that's been done to you. And this is where healing and deliverance in our church really helps. You have all these issues with your fathers, unforgiveness, trauma, abuse. And healing and deliverance helps you bring these issues to the surface, confront them, and, 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 and resolve them, and, 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 and kind of like take care of it in your life. And it's all in God's timing. You know, traumatic things happen, and children suppress it. They just don't remember. Kids, these horrible things will happen to them and they just don't remember. And it's actually a good thing. It's a defense mechanism to protect a child. You know, sometimes the things that children, that are done to children are so horrible that they don't fully understand or can comprehend what it is. Because if they did, it would destroy them. But when that child grows up, becomes a man or becomes a woman and starts walking rightly with God, gets filled with the Spirit, have, have seasons of maturity and have seasons of victory, God will cause you to bring those suppressed memories up to the surface. And, he's, and God's going to say it's time to deal with them again. But He says, you don't have to deal with it alone. I am here with you. He helps you walk. He helps you walk out your healing. For some of you, you know your fathers has done bad things to you. You, you know that your fathers have... Have, have hurt you, you just, and you just don't want to forgive them. And you're like, I don't want to forgive my dad. He's not, I don't even know him. You know, why am I going to forgive a man that I don't even know? But if you want to be released fully from your hurts of your father that your father's caused, you must release him fully from the faults and failures that you hold him responsible for. Basically means your healing is connected with your forgiveness of your father. If you don't forgive your father, you're not going to be able to release, re- receive the full healing. After forgiveness, you need to confront and address and deal with the negative patterns and mindsets that you picked up over the years from your past, from these hurts that happened to you. Negative patterns that you received from a lack of a father. All of these need to go. After you deal with the, the pain, after you deal with the hurt, and after you come to the place of forgiveness, you have to start changing your life. Anger issues, promiscuity, all of these, these, these negative patterns that came over you from, li- from living a life of fatherlessness, these patterns need to be, go and you need to start setting godly biblical patterns in your life. You know, a lot of us, we overcompensate in many things in our lives. Because of the trauma that we received in the past. We live out of reaction to our hurts. So, you know, we, when we go into a group, you got rejected by your father. So you think everybody's going to reject you. So you're just always in the corner. You never let anybody come inside. All of these negative patterns that are over your life, they need to go. And many of us, 
We look at our dads and we say, I'm never going to be like my father. For you women, like, I'm never going to be like my mother. You know? And your moms may tell you, you're just like your dad. My mom, when I was in high school, I'd come home kind of drunk. And my mom, my mom was like, oh, ah, just like your dad, you know? Which means like, pour that alcohol down your throat, just like your dad. And she used to say that all the time whenever I drink. You know, and they get fo- so focused on not being like their fathers that that's all they focus on. They focus on, I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like my dad. But this isn't the answer because you become what you behold. The more you behold the bad things that your dad did, the more you focus on the bad things that in an attempt to avoid them, you will ultimately lead you to be just like that. You become what you behold. Pastor John Michael came down a couple of months ago and he said a sermon just on this. You become what you behold. But what you need to do is you need to behold the face of God, our Father. You need to admire and honor people that have exhibited and manifested the heart of the Father to you. When you do that, you become what you behold. You become that of a father. No matter, your earthly, no matter what your earthly father did, Jesus came so that we can have a relationship with your perfect father. No matter what situation your fatherlessness came from, it's in Jesus Christ that we gain a father. It says in Romans 8, 14, 15, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And it goes on in verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you, the Holy Spirit is constantly testifying to God that this is a son. This is, a, this is my child. The noble, Holy Spirit is in you saying, you know, noble, God, noble is, is, is a son. He's my child. He's your, he is your child. He's your son. That's, Holy Spirit is always testifying that inside of you. We are able to call God Father by the presence of the Holy Spirit's ministry. He confirms to us that we are sons of God. And He affirms our identity in Christ. We are not an orphan. We are sons. I want everybody to say, I have a perfect loving Father. Look to your neighbors and say that. I have a perfect loving father. If you look at Christianity, it's the only place where you're invited into a relationship with the God, our Father. If you look at the, the, the religion of Islam, Buddhism, everything, it all points to, to something be, that's not a father. You know? It points to works. It points to meditation. It's not a father. Jesus tells us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And the more we go deeper into a relationship with God, we realize that He Himself reveals Himself as a Father. God is your Father. He's a Father to the fatherless. says like we read in the beginning, Father to the fatherless and protector of widow, widows is God in His holy habitation. It's who God is. God is a Father to the fatherless. And he's inviting us into a relation, love relationship with a loving father. You know, even if you were abandoned by both parents, it says in Psalm 27, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. 
You know, there, there's a pastor named Pastor Dell that's up in Living Hope. And he has a crazy testimony. You know, when he was at a young age, he lost both of his parents. Like, his, his, he lost his dad and was never around. His mom was a crack addict. And he went around, you know, for, for many years as a youth, you know, like, like in drugs and being a, like a, a gay prostitute. And it's, it's, it's one man. Somebody from the church just, like, reached out to him. And it was just the, it was the manifestation of God's heart that really reached out to him and, and took him in as a, as a son and was a father to Pastor Dell. And now, you know, you look at his life, and he's just been radically transformed. And he's, he's a pastor. He's, he's on fire for God. He's moving things in this world, in this world for the kingdom of God. And it's, in this, that's a, it's a demonstration of the Father's heart manifesting itself through God's people. Now, how, how many of you guys seen the movie Blindside? A good movie. It made me cry. <laughs> Gotta admit. In that movie, you see... Uh, I forgot what his name was, but you know, you see that big dude, like a, yeah, he's a giant in high school. He's like in junior high, and he's homeless. He has no parents. Then you see Sandra Bullock, and 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 you know, when when I saw her act, I realized she wasn't just a romantic comedy actress. You know, it's not all about the rom coms, but she is a good actress. She knows how to act, and in that movie, man. She tugged at your emotions because she, you know, you saw her manifesting the father's heart to this child. You saw that, that, that no matter what, what it was, she was going to reach out and she was going to be a father to this kid. You know what I mean? And, you know, and it goes to show that the father's heart is manifested not just in men, but it's in men and women. You, know, you sisters, you guys manifest the father's heart just as much as a man can. You know, there's a, there's a, there's another story named Jimmy Graham. You know, he is a tight end for the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, he was raised fatherless. His dad, he never knew his dad. And when he was nine years old, his, his, his mother sent him to a, a home for troubled kids because she couldn't afford taking care of all of her kids. He wasn't a troubled kid. He was a good kid. But, you know, just because she didn't want to take, you know, didn't have the money to support this child, uh, she was all into drugs and things. She sent him to this home for troubled kids. And in this home, he got abused and he got beat. And he said there was a time when he just got, he was in the back of a van just getting beat for hours. And he just, he, he couldn't see because his eyes had just swollen shut. And he was in this place. And, you know, he would cry out to his mom, call his mom, say, Mom, I want to go home. She would just hang up on him. And, and, cause she just didn't want to deal with it. And for, he lived in this home for like, a, for a few years. And finally, his mom brought him home to his home, but she still wasn't taking care of him. And then a woman from a Bible study group that he was going once a week to get away from his, his, you know, from the abuse from his home, she took him in and she really just manifested that father's heart and just loved on him and took the opportunity to just be a father to this, this fatherless kid. And then he went on and he just excelled. You know, he was one of those kids that when put into the proper environment, he just excelled. And so he got a scholarship to the University of Miami in basketball and football. I don't know if that's true. I read it in Wikipedia. <laughs> and then you know, and he excelled more in football. And then he, like, he got drafted. And, and he went to college, got a degree, got drafted. And now he's a tight end for New Orleans Saints. And it's another, man, it's another testimony of, of, of God manifesting his heart his heart 
the, 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 the father to the fatherless. It's, he's manifesting that heart through his people. In all these stories, it's God being a father to the fatherless. It's, it's his heart. He can't get away from that. No matter how dysfunctional your family was, there is healing and wholeness and restoration for you in the Father. He is our Father. Amen? And when we realize and are healed and made whole through the power of His love, you are then called to be a father. To be a father to the fatherless. When you get close to God as your Father, you realize that your call to be with the Father is connected to your call to be a father. When everybody, you know, everybody in here, the more you grow in intimacy with God, you realize that God is calling you to be a father to the fatherless. What a fatherless generation needs to be healed from an orphan spirit is the love of a father. When, when, what they need to fulfill their destiny is a relationship with someone who believes in them. What they need to come to full maturity is someone to affirm them, to challenge them, to correct them, to rebuke them, and to love them. They need fathers. This world needs fathers. And it's an apostolic dimension, you know, that God's restoring at this hour in the church. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What Paul's saying here is that he sees himself as a father. He's not just a preacher. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a missionary or an evangelist. He sees himself as a father. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 and 12, it says, You know, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a matter worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And he's saying we, you know, he said we did this because, you know, Paul raised up other fathers in the church. He was there. His apostolic dimension is he raises up other fathers. But today in the church, what we see so much of isn't fathers, but it's professionals. People that see their ministry role as a job. We have a lot of biblical scholars, people that are rooted in the word of God, but they're not fathers. They don't manifest the heart of the father. We need leaders with the heart of fathers being uh, to bring true transformation and growth to the church and to this world. And Pastor Dell, he goes on to say that there's three relationships that we each, every one of us needs in our lives, that we should be seeking to have in our lives. And it's one, a father who mentors you. Two, a brother that walks with you. And three, a son that you take under your wing. You know, in my life, you know, I have Pastor Christian. He 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 mentors me. He 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 sets me right. He sets me straight. He's like my father. And I have people like John Newfeld, J.M. and Diddy. You know, they kind of walk with me. Married men, loving on you know one another, encouraging one another. And I have sons. You know, I have people in my small group. Trevor, Holland. And I have people in the church plant, and, and you guys. And it's a dynamic that God calls us all into. Everyone here, you guys, all should eventually seek to have these three relationships in your life. You should all have somebody mentoring you. You should all have brothers and sisters that you're walking with. 
And you should all have someone that you should take under your wing to son, to, to, to be a father to. And if you don't have these things, all you have to do is ask. Ask God. God, bring these relationships into my life. Finally, the call I want to end with this is the call to, the, to father the fatherless is not limited to the boundaries of the local church. No, we're not just to father the fatherless in the church. But we need to go out into the world, out into the schools, out into the corporations, out into the entertainment industries, out into government. We are called to father the nations. Amen? Now, Pastor Benjamin Robinson, he's the, he's the spiritual father of Pastor Christian. He said, there is no one better qualified to disciple the CEOs the politicians, the entertainers of our generation, but the disciples of Jesus Christ. We are the one that should be discipling the, the, the Mark Zuckerbergs, you know, the Sonia Shide and Big Bang Theory. I don't know who's popular in America anymore. You know, Big Bang, no, Big Bang. I watched Big Bang Theory. Yeah, we should be mentoring Justin Bieber. You know, Isaac, you should be, you know, you, you sing like him. You guys should be, we should be mentoring. We should be, we are the most qualified to disciple these people out in the world. Malachi, I want everybody to turn your Bibles to Malachi 4.6. This is a verse that really speaks to our generation at this time. Malachi 4.6. It reads, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. The hearts of fathers will be turned to their children, and the ch- heart of the children will be turned to their fathers. When the heart of the fathers turn towards the children, suicides, suicide rates drop. You know, abortion goes down. Drug use goes down. Depression goes down. Kids on antidepressants decrease. You know, American kids are the most medicated children to have ever existed in this world. And if you look at an average high school in America, a big chunk of them are on antidepressants, are on like ADD medication, Renalin, and all this other stuff, Prozac, all of this stuff, just to, to sustain their mood. Because so so many of them are depressed. Because so many of them are suicidal. Because so many of them just have lost a a reason to live. And you can't be a father until you are made whole yourself. You need to take the steps of healing. You need to come into the place of wholeness. And that's what this family is for. We're We're here to walk you into that. But once you're whole... And once you're walking in freedom, you are called to manifest the heart of, of our Father and be a father to the fatherless. You know, some of you are in the process right now. Some of you are in that process of being fathered and mentored and in a place of healing and restoration and bringing you into a place of maturity through this church. And I'm, and I'm here to say that it doesn't end with your healing. It doesn't end with you being made whole. God's calling you to be a father. And we're here to raise up sons, but we don't expect you guys to just to remain as sons. We want you guys to be fathers as well. Amen. So I'll close our eyes.
Isaac. And I want you guys to set your eyes upon the Father. The true, perfect and loving Father that we have in our God. And, and, you know, one of the things that this country really suffers from is the orphan spirit. And there's so many people in this in this generation that's walking around with the orphan spirit. They're lost. They don't know what to do. They, they're fatherless. But I'm here to tell you today that God is your father. God is your father. You are not an orphan. You are a son. You're established as a son. Holy Spirit that dwells inside you is testifying to God. Say, this is your son. This is your child. I love this. I love this person. I love, I love Lydia. Lydia is my daughter. I love Peter. Peter's my son. Holy Spirit is in you testifying. And I want us right now, I want to just break off the orphan spirit in this room. I want to break off the orphan spirit. If there's anybody here right now that feels like you guys are walking in in an orphan spirit, feeling like you don't have a father, feeling that you're alone in this world, feeling that you don't have somebody to protect you, to guide you, to shepherd you, to, to lead you into that place of a son. If you feel like you're an orphan, I want you guys, I want you guys to stand up. I want you guys to stand up. If you feel like you're in this alone, if you feel like you have nobody, that you're an orphan, that you're left behind, I want to pray for you. Father God, I just pray the hearts in this room. And I just I just declare restoration over every heart, over every damage, over every hurt that may have come to any heart in this room, God. And I just pray right now that you are shining your love over each and every one of us right now. And you're breaking off that orphan spirit. You're breaking off that spirit that says that we are alone. That you're breaking off that spirit that says that we are orphans, God. And you're establishing, you're bringing us into a place of adoption. You're adopting us as sons, God. And I thank you right now in this room. Orphan spirit is being broken off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, orphan spirit is breaking off. And in this place is a spirit of sonship by which we cry, Abba, Father. I declare sonship over this room. I declare sonship in each and every one of our hearts. I declare sons coming before the Father and worshiping Him, being fathered by Him. 
I thank you, Lord, that you call us your children. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you testified that we are children of God. We bless your name, God. We love you. We thank you, Lord. I want everybody to stand up. We want to close with a closing song.